Let me uh, read to you. Fear not, for nothing bad will ever happen to you. Fear not, there's nothing crazy going on. Fear not, you will always be healthy. Fear not, difficulty will never come to you. I made that up. There's, uh, I have on the screen here, Isaiah 41, uh, verse 13. It says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. And this is an example of what many scriptures throughout the Bible say, old and new. Uh, They say, fear not. And why would they say, fear not? Uh, Because in our weakness, We are prone to fear. Uh, Even as I shared with the kids, obviously it was on my mind. Uh, And what what else would you say if there was just a creeper in the box? I mean, you know, you could go a long way with that. But uh, fear not. Um, There's some things going on in our world. uh, And God says, fear not. Uh, Have you seen what's happening in South Africa? Have you seen the, the floods of Europe? Have you seen, uh, you know, the crazy things that are going on in the United States? Um, and as God's people, we are called to fear not. Why? Because God says he's going to be with us. And even as we look to the scriptures today, I want to remind you that uh, even the scriptures are not meant for us to fear the plan of God, but rather to prepare and our hearts and minds for the things that are to come. And what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that you would trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him and him alone. That there is no other way uh, that you are going to receive uh, eternal life, to be with uh, God forever. There's no other way than through him. If you think that you're going to somehow game the system and that you got a better idea and you're a lot smarter than everybody else, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I'll be the first to tell you. Uh, you're wrong. Uh, you'll perish without him. You'll, you'll have everlasting punishment uh, because of rejecting Christ. Uh, so prepare in that way, but also prepare in this life too. Uh, prepare your hearts. Uh, you know, uh, when things enter our life, I think most of the time we want to push them away and say, it's not happening. It's not happening to me. Uh, but to prepare your mind and heart to be settled on Christ, settled on him and and trusting him uh, for each day that he gives us uh, down here. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. This is where we will be this morning. And um, uh, we will be one more week in Daniel chapter 9. I'll tell you where we're kind of going with this. Uh, We will... Uh, get down to the last verse today. I might even uh, touch on it just for a moment. But then next week, uh, we will look at that last verse as well as uh, the book of Revelation and how that fits together. Um, More of an overview from Revelation and specifics from uh, Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, we look at the scriptures this morning and Uh, We're thankful that God has a plan, uh, that he is on his throne, he is in charge of history, 
Um, I say in charge, no one put him in charge. He is the rightful owner of history, uh, being the creator. And so we look to him to work out his plan in the midst of his creation. And so that's what we're looking at this morning. If you want to stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Daniel chapter 9, starting in verse 24. God's word says this, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city uh, to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring uh, in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that uh, from the going out of the word to restore and rebuild the temple to the coming of the anointed one, a prince, uh, there shall be seven weeks. Uh, then for 62 weeks, it shall be built again with squares uh, and a moat, but in troubled time. And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come uh, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and uh, to the end there shall be, be war. Desolations are decreed. And he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week. And for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. God, we ask for your wisdom as we look through your word and we understand it this morning. God, help us, help us uh, to understand and to not fear and to trust you and to be faithful. God, we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So this morning, uh, if you were here last week, you, you, uh, we got through that first section that talks about 70 weeks or 70, uh, 70 groups of seven or periods of seven. 70, uh, th- this time that he speaks of, these 70 weeks are uh, his decree that uh, is part of the plan. And so if you can think of whatever that 70 weeks is, this is how much time uh, his people have. As Daniel was thinking about his people that were in captivity, 70 weeks. 70 weeks is the total time that they have. And, and he described for them this period of seven times, uh, seven, 77 times, he described to them that there were some things that were going to happen during that time. Uh, I, I want to highlight for you again that uh, in this time, he says, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city. When Daniel heard that, he was thinking, the Israelites, the Jews, God's people. He was thinking about, what, what is that place? Jerusalem right? He was thinking about his people and Jerusalem. And, and as he connected that, he was thinking about his God, his God who had chosen his people and the city and all those things were connected to his God. 
And so as he said, he realizes this history is going to be 70 weeks or 77 periods of time. He knew uh, that that was what God was talking about. And what's left or what would he do in that time? There were six things uh, that he talked about finishing transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to build, uh, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. And the anointing of that most holy place, once again, the temple, the temple, uh, that place that, uh, the, I'm hearing a little bit of an echo here. If somebody could turn a knob or do something or pray for me. Um, Awesome. So uh, as you see this, uh, you realize there are these six things that are going to come about the anointing of the holy place. And as we look at this, really, I want to just highlight this again. Uh, Most of the end time uh, events and things, the details that we get have something to do with worship or false worship. Uh, It's very important to God that he is worshiped. Why? Uh, because it's deserved, it's deserved, it's appropriate uh, that creation would worship the creator. And not just that because we are the creation, but because of the character of the creator. He deserves to be worshipped. It's only uh, appropriate and uh, for us to worship anyone else and for uh, creation to come up to be worshipped, is it doesn't make any sense at all. Um. I want to talk to you a little bit about the math. And some of you didn't want to come to church today because you saw it was 70 weeks and talks about math. And you're like, no way, I'm not in. Uh, Believe me, I'm there with you, okay? But I wanted to uh, help you uh, just sort of sort these things out. First of all, we talk about 70 weeks or uh, 70 periods of seven, which if you times... 70 times 7, we have a math teacher here today, so at least one. I, I don't want to look out. If there's more than two, maybe I'm in the wrong church. But uh, um, 70, you get 490, right? You get 490. And so uh, you can extend out this period to 490. He doesn't, uh, it's very important when you look at a timeline to know when the timeline starts so you can know when it ends, right? Uh, it's very important. And, but he doesn't give us that. He just says, these 70 weeks or these 70 periods of seven. I want you to know this too, because it's important um, that the ancient calendar, most of the ancient calendars were based on 360 days, not 365 days. And they didn't do the leap year thing. It was confusing, right? Nobody wants to talk about leap year. It just doesn't work. Um, So it's 360. I want to point this out because, and we'll look a little bit of this as we go through Revelation, but it's a couple of verses. uh, You don't have to turn there, but in Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, and Revelation 12, verse 6, it talks about 1,260 days. I think I mentioned this previous in month ago or so as we were going through Daniel. 1,260 days. You know what 1,260 days is? If you take, if you take, some of you are already lost in the math. Others of you are like pulling out your calculator. You're super excited. You're super excited. Um, If you take uh, 360 days and times three and a half, which would be half of a seven-year period, you get what? 
1260 days, which is mentioned in the book of Revelation. Uh, so when you see 1260 in the Bible, chances are, it is, uh, it's that second half period of the tribu- tribulation, three and a half years, okay? Some of you are going, you lost me already. Come on, stick with me. It's not that bad. <laughs> Times tables, when do we learn those, right? Fourth grade, somewhere in there. Some of us, 10th grade, I don't know. Um, uh, so 360 times three and a half equals 1260. So, and this is the plan for God's people, God's holy city, okay? I'll think this through with me because I think it's very uh, important for us. Uh, I asked the question, when does it start, when does it end? He doesn't tell us. He just says there's a period of time. Uh, by the way, remember we talked about in the last few weeks, What's the deal with the number seven? What's the deal with the number seven? Uh, Completion, thank you. It's this idea that there is an end. There is an end date, and and we should love it. We should love it. Why? Because this life is hard. This life is hard. Um, I know know most all of you here have experienced heartache. You've experienced heartache, brokenheartedness, loss, frustration, and uh, sometimes it just keeps going, right? Sometimes you can't get it out of your mind. And if I told you, this world will never end. There's no end to this life. That would be a major discouragement because when you're in heartache, you're not guaranteed that the heartache will end. But God tells us uh, through the scriptures, and even through these numbers, that there is an end date uh, for this life. And we we can trust in that. We can rejoice in that. So that's the 70 weeks, 70 weeks. Uh, That was last week. You're caught up to speed. We're now on this week, verse 25. And um, as we look at this, you'll see in these verses, these next verses, you will see uh, uh, unfolding of history, an unfolding of history. And some of it for us is past history, but some of it is future history, okay? And there's these sections that are to come. And, and so as we look at these, we see them all within this 70 weeks plan, 70 weeks plan. And he's going to be speaking of these weeks or periods of seven, as you go on, verse 25, uh, know, know therefore and understand that uh, from the going out and from the word to restore, to restore and to build Jerusalem, uh, coming uh, of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, and then 62 weeks. And so this section here is seven plus 62, quick, 69. 69, right? You got it. 69. And so this section that he's talking about is 69 weeks. But he says first there's seven weeks and then there's going to be 62. Well, what is the seven weeks? As you look at the seven weeks and seven times seven is 49. 49 uh, is to restore and rebuild. Um, If you look at, uh, if you look at uh, what has gone on. And you, you think about the history. Uh, if you go back, 
um, to the beginning of chapter 9, he talks about 70 years, 70 years. What was 70 years? It was the captivity, right? Daniel had been in captivity uh, most of his adult life, all of his adult life, I would say, and he knew that it was coming to an end. He knew that it was coming to an end because God had promised and it revealed to him that it's going to be 70 years. So what's going to happen next? It's going to be the 70 weeks or the 70 periods of seven. Well, what's going to happen in that time? This is what we get now. Uh, the first thing he tells them, there's going to be seven weeks and then there's going to be um, 62. What's going to happen? Restore and rebuild. Restore and rebuild. Um, as you look at the history in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah and Ezra, um, if you want to like get those stuck in your mind, Nehemiah is the wall. Ezra is the temple. Okay, <clears throat> Nehemiah is more the practical setting up to the city. Ezra is the restoration of really the temple and the worship, the spiritual life of God's people. Um, some have marked that as uh, March 14th, uh, Artaxerxes, in the book of Nehemiah chapter 2, he decrees that they can go home, that they can go home. Uh, March 14th, 440, 445 B.C. Um, and what do they do when they go home? What, what, what is the thing that they do? They begin rebuilding the wall, and it's an awful task. Um, why did they have walls in the cities and in ancient the, the Bible times? Why? Why do they have a wall? Protection. Protection. Keep the bad guys out, right? Some of you go, oh, I, I didn't realize that. You know, we have a wall to keep my dog from running out in the street, right? Or my kids. I didn't mean to connect the dog with your kids, okay? Um, but you have a wall to protect, to protect. And if you had no protection, there's no sense of having uh, wealth or goodness or homes. Like if you're not protected, there's no security. And if there's no security, I'd say this, there's no worship of God in the temple because your enemies could come. And so as they are rebuilding, the book of Nehemiah describes for us over and over again the attacks that come and the attacks that come. And so there's this picture of God's people as they rebuild, um, sword in one hand, trowel in the other, right? Uh, or now it would be sword in one hand, hammer or ha nail gun in one hand. Maybe it could be used for both. But um, th this picture is they had to be ready to fight, but also ready to work. And this is the picture of how the uh, Nehemiah rebuilt the wall side by side with his people. That leads to the rebuilding of the temple in the book of Ezra and the reestablishing of the worship. And, and as you think through what Daniel has been revealed to him, seven years, or these 49 years, this picture of what comes next is the rebuilding of the walls, but the temple it also says in there, um, in Daniel chapter 9, I lost my place a little bit. I started gabbing and then forgot what I was doing. Um, restore and rebuild the temple and coming of the anointed one, a prince, 
it shall be seven weeks. Then for 62 weeks, it shall be rebuilt again with squares and a moat, um, but in troubled time. This idea of squares and a moat is the idea of probably uh, places within the city where people would live, uh, be able to do, have commerce and, and go about their daily lives. And the idea of a moat is really that the picture of the wall with security around it. This is what happens during these 69 years, the first years being rebuilding of the temple. 49 years, uh, that idea of that seven weeks times seven. If you think about the temple, I, I don't want to talk too much about this, but hopefully it gives you this perspective. Uh, before they had the temple, they had the tabernacle. It was a tent that they used for worship. And it was a temporary thing as they moved around, as God's people wandered, uh, as they went about um, being unsettled in the land, uh, and then unsettled as they were in the land. They still uh, didn't necessarily do it all that quickly. But this idea of desiring to build a temple went from the tabernacle to the temple. You have two temples uh, that that we really know of that are highlighted in the scripture. Solomon's temple. Uh, and when was that destroyed? In the captivity, right? As they went into captivity, um, people suggest that the, the temple was built in 957 B.C., and then it was destroyed somewhere between 605. It, the start of destruction was 605 or so to 586. Those, remember those waves of captivity uh, that they were taken back into Babylon. That's where Daniel came out. And during those times, it was destroyed. The temple was destroyed. This great temple of Solomon, uh, David was supposed to build, but Solomon got to build. Um, that first temple was destroyed. This talks about a rebuilding of a temple, a second temple, okay? Um, and that was the temple uh, that was talked about, that was really prophesied about in this, this passage here, that there would be going on and rebuilding and restoring the temple. That was the second temple. That temple um, lasted quite a while till 70 A.D. when it was destroyed, 7 A.D. 70 AD. So you have two temples. Now, I just tell you this, we're going to get into this a little bit. As you look at end times prophecy, there is worship going on and this picture of being in the temple. What does that mean to you? It's got to be a third temple. Uh, as, I, as I look through the scriptures and I put things together, I believe there's going to be a third temple. And excitingly enough, uh, there are people that I don't even know, uh, trust in Jesus, that are have plans and designs and dreams and hopes of building the temple in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount. Think about that. Uh, like they're, they're gathering the stuff, you know, they're talking to the building inspectors. You know, I don't know if they're doing that, but they, they have models and the way it's going to happen and they're gathering materials and there's, there's all kinds of crazy things that... Uh, are difficult because there's stuff on the Temple Mount and it's not, you know, Jewish stuff. And so there's all kinds of things that are out there. But I want to tell you that people are excited in in Jerusalem right now 
about rebuilding the temple, a third temple. And so as we think this through, uh, most likely this will come into play in end times events. 62 uh, times 7, years to build it again. Um, as you look at this, you realize, uh, you know, there's these seven years, but what are the 62 years? What happens in that time frame? Well, uh, if you go back to the time where Artaxerxes says go home, and you make that a seven-year period or a 49-year period, seven periods of seven, and then you add uh, the 62 times seven, where does that bring you? What, what would you guess, even if you don't know? What, what significant event in the New Testament would happen that would be a big deal that would start off a new period of time? If you've been to church, if you grew up in the church and you don't know what to say, what do you say? Jesus, thank you. Thank you. And uh, people have gotten very technical, not just uh, in the last few years, but there's uh, ancient, not ancient work, I think it was done in the early 1900s where they kind of put the math together and they believe that really, you know, to the day, uh, this marks, marks a significant event in Jesus' life, uh, the triumphal entry into the city. And, and there's a very interesting thing. I didn't, uh, I forgot to tell you about this. Um, but um, Stan, could you pull up uh, Luke 19.38? If you think about uh, what, what's the deal with the triumphal entry into the city? What, what makes that different from the other events? Some believe, uh, and you know, the time periods are, are once again, I, I'm telling you, it's hard to find the beginning date. Once you f- find the beginning date, you know the next date, but he doesn't give us a description of that. We go from Artaxerxes, some connect it to uh, this date, this triumphal entry. I think that's what it is. Others would say it's Jesus' baptism. Jesus' baptism is really his official inauguration uh, into being king, uh, the one that is uh, exerting his role as the one who, the Messiah that is to come. But uh, in Luke chapter 19, verse 38, um, this is going into the city, and what are they shouting? Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Uh, peace in heaven and glory uh, in the highest. Well, what is the point of that? What is the point of their cheering? That he's the king. He's the king. Um, and so I tend to believe that this is the marker of what these uh, 69 years, uh, these 69 weeks of years, um, how they come together. And that's exciting. That's exciting. As you see, History unfold, history unfold, and you realize that there is a plan. There is a plan. Um, When you watch the news, when you watch the news, when you hear about elections and diseases and economies and all these things, you, you say, well, you know, you could even go to school. You could even go to a UC campus and study economics and history and all these things. And they will say, they will say, they'll tell you about wars. Well, wars, you know, it's all about great leadership. It's all about guns and stuff. Some people in the Air Force here, that's the stuff, right? <laughs> right? 
Uh, and, and if you have the, the better guns and stuff, you win wars. Uh, as you think about medicine and, and what's going on that people study and they, they say, ah, we have something special that's going to save us from this. And this is going to make the difference. This is going to change history. Or maybe uh, economics, as you think about economics, you say, well, it's all supply and demand. And if this happens, then this will happen. And the markets are driven by this. And, and this is why this is happening. You know, and, and food shortages and stuff like that. And you, and you start thinking through, it's, I can figure it out. I can figure it out. And I, you, you know, if you're even big enough, you can say, I can manipulate it so that I can change history. And I just want to tell you, as you look at this, God was revealing to Daniel in a point in time in history, this is how history is going to unfold. And then it did. And then it did unfold. It's hard for us to nail down the exact days, and maybe that's not the case that we're supposed to. Like, maybe that's not for us. But we know this, that God is working out his plan and he worked out his plan in sending us Jesus and he worked out his plan for even for a moment that they would acknowledge that he is the king uh, who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, I, I want to tell you that this is exciting stuff. Uh, so when you think of these seven years plus 62 years, meaning this period of time, these 69 years, what is it? When does it start? I would say this. It restarts in the rebuilding of the temple, somewhere in there, either the beginning or the end. Probably the beginning. And then it uh, stops these 69 weeks at the coming of the king. The coming of the king. Uh, the acknowledging of the king. Um, and, and why a king? Well, I, I say king, but it, it acknowledges in this passage uh, the coming of the anointed one, the coming of the anointed one. That, that's a, a special king that is to come. And I, I would say special king because it's an anointed one. When, when in the Old Testament, when you see that anointed one, it's, uh, that's how a king was uh, deemed king. He was anointed, but this speaking of God anointing this special king that is to come. Which brings us to verse 26. And I would just label this the after the time. The after the time. Uh, and you say, that doesn't make sense. I know. I know. But I didn't write it. God wanted to reveal to Daniel. And like I said, I, I don't believe that he wanted us to know years and dates and times. But he wanted us to see time periods. And for this... He just defines it as after what? After the 62 weeks, which is after what? It's the seven weeks, right? After seven weeks, after 62 weeks, 69 weeks. How many weeks total? 70. Some of you are sleeping on me. You're giving me that math look, right? Math teachers see it all the time. I'm done. Tap, tap, I'm out. Um, so uh, what are we, what is after? We're after 69 weeks after that time. And he says this in, in verse 26. After the 62 weeks, after 69 um, weeks, uh, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. 
anointed one cut off shall have nothing, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and sanctuary. Uh, Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. Let's unpack that. Uh, This is uh, not labeled in a time period. It's not said to be a week, right? It just says it's after the 69th week. Well, it says, first of all, that the anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. What do you think that is? What do you think that is? The time where the anointed one, we already identified the anointed one as Jesus, who's coming, he came as king. Uh, We know the events of uh, his life from that coming into the city. You know, I think he's the anointed one. And what happens in Jesus' earthly life after he comes into the city? Crucifixion, he's cut off, receives nothing. So, so this is kind of a, a startling change when he speaks of the anointed one. And that's important for God's people to know. Why? Because if you're reading the story or living the story, and you, you identify Jesus as the coming king, the Messiah, uh, you're part of the crowd that's cheering. Ah, the king's here. It's exciting. Things are going to change. And then he's dead. And you don't know that it says in the book of Daniel that he'll be cut off. Uh, this is not part of... Uh, this is not a haphazard thing that the Romans did or the Jews or whoever you want to tag with this. This is That event of the crucifixion is not haphazard. Uh, one of the great studies that you can do through the Gospels is to see how, how Jesus was planned to go to the cross. That there, there were people and guards and judges and rulers and crucified. There were all these people that thought they were in charge, but Jesus was going to the cross as part of the plan of the Father to redeem sinful man. Got to think about that. That's good stuff. But this isn't all um, an accident, but this is part of the plan of God. And so you see the anointed one cut off and having nothing. Uh, this is the picture of life here on earth uh, when Jesus goes to the cross and it seems as though all hope is gone. It says this, uh, during this time after, this, a- this after time, uh, verse 26, and a- after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and have nothing. And, and the people of the prince who is to come, who is to come. So at first reading, you might say, Prince, that's talking about Jesus. But no, it says, it already spoke of him as the anointed one, the prince who is to come. Who could that be? Well, as you look at this in this context, and even as we look at Daniel, he's already told us of this little horn that is to come, this Antichrist. It seems that this is him. But what does it say of him? Not that he is here, but that his followers or his, uh, um, you know, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come in a flood and the end shall be war. Desolations are decreed. 
Um, I mentioned this earlier, and I think this is the event. Uh, I could be wrong. Um, and those who disagree me could definitely be wrong. Um, but uh, if you follow the history after the New Testament, uh, or really speaking after the life of Christ, uh, what happens to the earth? Well, the church has begun, but also uh, the temple is destroyed in 70 AD. Um, you, you see the Romans coming in. And as you think through the book of Daniel, uh, the Romans are in focus as one of the great world governments that are, are to come. Um, and so we believe that this is the time where uh, the Romans uh, in 70 AD ruined the temple and came to stronger power over the Jews. It says again, desolations are decreed. Um, as you think through the, the time uh, of the Jews in the temple by the Romans, uh, they were intent upon ruining the worship of God's people as well as God's people, the Jews, the Romans. Um, well, when does it start? When does it end? Well, this period, we, it's not really a period, it's just after. It's after the kingship of Christ, and it doesn't give us, it's unknown, a marked time in the future. Um, so we see here, and, and I'll just, let me just read to you this last verse, chapter 20, verse 27 of Daniel chapter 9. And he shall make a strong covenant uh, with many for one week. And for half a week, half of a week, he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. What I want you to focus on, a couple things. Uh, Where are the time periods there? One week and then half of that one week, right? And so one week would be seven years, right? One, that's the period there. And half of that would be three and a half years. And it's going to tell us some things about these times. Strong covenant with many. Um, Most see that as, once again, another one world government uh, that has made peace with many, peace with many to bring about that whole uh, one world government. And then there's some things at that halfway point, an end of sacrifice and offering, uh, but abomination shall come, the one who makes desolate. But know this, that last part, it says, until the decreed end is poured out on the desolator. There's an end, right? It's highlighting this idea of end. Uh, There will be an end. And we'll look at that verse as well as... uh, some verses in Revelation next week. Uh, that's kind of the game plan for that. Um, it's a lot of math. It's a lot of math. Um, and it's confusing math. And it's not as tight and like he didn't say the day and time and the place and like he didn't make it as clear as I want to be. It's okay. He's God. He's God. He can be trusted, Right. He can be trusted to work out his plan. He can be trusted to bring to conclusion. Uh, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you that these things written to Daniel many years ago are still going to (laughs) happen. They are still going to happen. And uh, I I think the natural question that comes out of it living in today is, 
aren't we close? Like, what's going on? Is this part of this? And I would say, yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know how close we are. Um, if, if I'd be honest with you, I'd say, I can't imagine that we're not close. Uh, I realize that's an old guy thing to say uh, because you see things change in life and you compare it to what you thought life was like when you were younger and what you see life to be now and you, you say, oh, it's got to be close. And I, I do believe that. Um, but I know this, uh, that God is working out his plan, working out his plan. I want to give you some concluding thoughts uh, this morning, uh, just hopefully in ways to encourage you as you look at this. Uh, obviously, there's more to say about all these things, but um, maybe you can study those on your own or we could talk about them later. First thing I want to encourage you about is uh, to say this, this world is out of control. This world is out of control. But God has a calculated plan he's working out. You see, people are out of control. People are out of control. And, and powerful people, I would even say, are out of control. Uh, gazillionaires and people who think that they control the world are out of control in their sin and wickedness. Uh, by the way, what was one of the things uh, that... In the 70, uh, 70 weeks period that uh, Daniel was told that was going to happen, what, what was supposed to happen in these 70 weeks? It was to finish the transgression and put an end to sin, right? It's going to be over. It's going to be over. So when you see wickedness and sin, you can say, yeah, that's what's happening now. There will be an end to this. There will be an end both to my sin, God's people's sin. Uh, there will be an end to just wicked people doing it. There will be an end to this. Uh, this is what's happening in this life. But, but know this, that there's a calculated plan, right? That God, um, it's so hard for us to imagine. Some of you love being planners. You love it. Uh, it's fun for you to plan. And your favorite day uh, Next, well, your favorite day is the day planning. Your second favorite day is when everything goes according to your plan, right? Like you just love it. And you go, oh, this is just. that doesn't happen very often, right? I, I want to tell you, God is, he has a plan and he's working out his plan. The almighty one, the, the omniscient one. Do you think he can handle his plan? Yes, and he will. He's been faithful and he'll continue to be faithful. Second thing, I just want to say this. People get ready. People get ready. Prepare. Prepare. Uh, Stan, would you pull up uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, please? Um, if you turn over to 1 Thessalonians 5, um, that comes right before, another math problem here, what comes right before 1 Thessalonians uh, 5? Some of you are overthinking it right now. First Thessalonians chapter 4 comes right before 5. The end. Uh, the end is the, the coming of the Lord in the, taking his church. Um, and, and he talks about the, the taking of his church and the, the bringing of his church home. But then in chapter 5, it says this, Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need of anything we have written. 
For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Thief in the night. Uh, if the thief told you, uh, I'm coming to your house at 2 o'clock in the morning. So the pastor said this example, 2 o'clock in the morning. I know how some of you great Kern County gun-toting people would be. You'd smile and you'd say, and we'll be ready for you. Some of you would do the home alone thing where you would just set up traps and booby traps and stuff, uh, Legos and stuff like that. Um, some of you are prepared for that. Anyways, um, the thief doesn't say, I'm coming. Uh, the, there, there is this general idea that God says this is going to come about and it will happen, but you don't have a date. And, and there's really two events that we don't have dates for. The rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. And, and so this, this idea of the rapture of the church, and some of us struggle with this idea, it says we'll be caught up in the air. The church is just going to be evacuated in a moment. And then the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, at the end of the tribulation, what's that? That's the judgment that has been waiting for a long time, where Christ comes back and he sets things right. He, uh, th- those who have rejected him and mocked his name, specifically the Antichrist, but also all those others, he will come. And w- it says that, you know, that, that uh, in, let, me, let me read the rest of this too, because I think it gives us perspective on how we're supposed to live. Um, verse 14, uh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, verse, verse 13, let me read it again. Uh, but what, uh, I got confused. Verse 1, this is where I want to be. Chapter 5, verse 1. I went back to chapter 4. I was talking and I wasn't thinking. Uh, now concerning the times, uh, the seasons, brothers, you have uh, no need for anyone to have uh, anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains uh, come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Uh, But you are not in darkness, brothers, for the day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light, uh, children of the day. We are not the the night or the darkness. So then let us uh, not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep sleep at night and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for the helmet, a hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Knowing that there's stuff coming, there's stuff coming, there's stuff on the schedule. We don't have a calendar and a sense of the exact date, uh, but we're not to be fooling around wasting life. Um, this is not a passage on drunkenness. I know you heard that, and so some of you who struggle with that immediately, you go, pastor's talking to me. Yeah, I am, and everybody else too. Uh, 
The idea of drunkenness, uh, as we look at this, is the idea that, uh, you know, when a surgeon's going into surgery, a very difficult one, he doesn't say, now's the time to get drunk. Because <laughs> he's got something to do, and it's important, it's technical, and he needs to be in his right mind. If we're doing things, we can't say, I can't, you know, I'm the designated driver right now, right? I'm the one who needs to be dialed in. Why? Because there's important events that I need to be ready for. I need to be prepared for. And so this is the picture for him. I want to encourage you. We don't know the time of the rapture of the church. We don't know the time of the day of the Lord. So we should get ready, be prepared. We should be prepared. And then the last thing I want to tell you uh, is this. Some of you did the math and you were like, okay, seven years, 62 years, a little time after the 69th year. How many years total? 70. I want to tell you, only one week left. (laughs) Only one week left. Isn't that exciting? The time is short. Time is short. And so, you know, what are we doing here? We're the church. We're the church. We're encouraging one another. We're clinging to the gospel ourselves. We're sharing the gospel. We're looking for opportunity. You know what we're doing? We're training our kids and grandkids. Why? Because if time is short and days are difficult, they're going to they're gonna maybe have to go through those days, some difficult days, right? And so we prepare them. I want to tell you that our, our parenting is all about preparation. It shouldn't be boring, sober days every day, but I want to tell you it should not be teaching them to be selfish, teaching them to reject the church, teaching them to give their leftovers to God. I want to tell you our parenting should be preparing them as well for the days to come. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. God, I ask you uh, to help us to be sober, joyful, knowing that you are on your throne working out your plan. Make us expectant. Make us uh, excited about the day that it, our, the days that are to come, and specifically the end day. God, thank you that you are a God of planning, uh, and so we don't have to be in control. We don't have to be thinking that we need to do this or that. We just need to walk with you. God, help us to do so faithfully. God, thank you for being faithful to us that we can, um, that we can claim the scriptures, even in the one in Isaiah that I read that talks about that we would not fear knowing that you are the one that helps us. God, thank you for this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.